Hey lady, it's Dr. Dom here. If you like this show and you want to make your own, let me tell you about the free platform Anchor. It's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. You can add songs from Spotify and create any type of content that you are looking for. Anchor will distribute it all for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. On this week's episode in Her Space. My sticky notes would sometimes reflect that as well so that I would constantly be reminded of who I am, but also who I'm striving to be. Mm, That is so powerful. And Don, when you think about it, like at first it could feel uncomfortable. It could feel weird. And you'd be like, oh my gosh, this isn't going to work or this is awkward. Welcome to Her Space, a podcast dedicated to uplifting women like you. We're We're your hosts, Dr. Dominique Broussard, a college professor and psychologist, and Terry Lomax, a techie and motivational speaker. In a world where Black women are often misrepresented and misunderstood, please join us as we initiate authentic conversations on everything from fibroids to fake friends. And create a safe space where Black women can just be. Hey lady, it's Dr. Dom here from the Her Space Podcast. Do you have a burning question you're dying to get feedback on? Do you want an unbiased perspective on a situation you're facing? If so, visit herspacepodcast.com and click Ask Dr. Dom under the Start Here option. Every Tuesday, I'll choose a few questions and answer them at random. Our quote of the day comes to us from our very own Terry. If someone overheard your internal dialogue, what would they think? How you talk to yourself and how you talk about yourself is impacting the way you show up in the world. Put some respect on your name. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. So, T. That quote to me speaks to affirmations. It speaks to speaking things into existence. It touches on quite a bit. So talk to me about what inspired that quote. Oh, okay. Okay. So when I think about this quote, Dom, it actually makes me a little emotional because I think about why I had to get to this place, why I had to be mindful of my thoughts And so I was actually chatting with my sister recently. We were thinking about our upbringing and what we heard in our household. And to paint the picture for you, and really, I just want you to understand like why this is such an important topic for me. And it's really because being verbally abused really destroyed my self-esteem and confidence. And so, you know, people see me today and I, I may look and appear, you know, super confident and secure. And I am today. Even though I have moments of, you know, uncertainty and things like that. But my, when I tell you that my confidence, low self esteem was as low as you can even imagine. I mean, it was so low. Like I actually hated myself. Like I did not like to, you know, look in the mirror. I was so uncomfortable in my skin. And to give you an idea of why that was the case, I'll paint just a little picture for you so you can understand what I experienced on an ongoing basis. When I was in fifth grade, I was living in San Diego at the time and my mom and dad had came up to my school for a parent teacher conference. It was an empty classroom, my mom, my dad, and Mrs. Jones. 
And I was there and Mrs. Jones was giving them a report on my behavior. And I remember her pointing to my desk to show my parents where my desk was. And in our household, everything was neat and tidy. My desk, not so much. Now, I remember my mom giving me this look and I was like, oh, shit. I was like, I'm probably going to get in trouble. And then Miss Jones also shared with my parents a note that I had written to a little boy. Some little fresh ass note I wrote, a little love letter. And I was like, oh, damn, she's snitching on me. Miss Jones is snitching. But for me, Dom, in that parent-teacher conference, my mom reached over and she punched me dead in my face in the parent-teacher conference. So a fifth grader experiencing that in front of a teacher, my dad didn't really do much, but that I hope gives you an idea of just how low I was because that was something that would happen on a frequent basis. So that's not just verbal abuse. That's beyond verbal abuse. That's physical abuse. I was going to say verbal and physical. Mm Mm-hmm. I can only imagine like what you were feeling at that time, but what did the teacher do? What did Mrs. Jones do? Honestly, she didn't do anything. I was telling my sister about the story too. And she was like, dang, daddy didn't do anything. And you know, one thing our dad, bless his heart, he used to always say like, don't hit them in the face. Like he would say things like, don't, don't do that. It doesn't have to be that extreme. Like, but it wasn't enough. It didn't save us. And so Mrs. Jones, she didn't report it. From what I remember, Didn't nobody call our home or come to check on me or see if everything was okay. And I remember in that moment, I just felt like a piece of shit. I just felt like a failure. And I was like, damn, you know, all of the feelings and the anger that I would have had toward my mom, I probably had a little bit, I directed it toward myself. And so that just gives you a little glimpse on if if that's happening at a parent-teacher conference, imagine what's happening on a day-to-day. So when I tell you that my self-esteem and the self-hate that I had was extremely low, I mean, I shouldn't be where I am today. I shouldn't have the confidence that I have today. And so that's why this quote and this topic is so important to me, because if I can overcome that and if I can uh, find self-love and use positive words, (laughs) I'm trying not to cry, y'all, but I'm trying to, you know, if I can do that, then that there's hope for anyone out there. So if you don't love yourself, if you, you know, think badly about yourself, if you are looking in the mirror and you're like, fuck. I really don't see anything beautiful. I really don't see anything that I like. I don't have any features that I like. I don't like my skin. I don't like my hair. If you're in that space, boo-boo, we got you, okay? Because there is hope. I want everyone listening to be clear that what you experienced is not okay. Mm -hmm. And it's never okay. And teachers... Therapists, there are a lot of professionals out there who interact with children who are mandated reporters. And unfortunately, your teacher, I don't know what the laws were back then, but what I know is that now your teacher would have been mandated to report. And for her to witness that and still not report, that is still problematic. Mm-hmm. And My guess and my hope is that somewhere along the line, some of the other abuse was reported and that there was some intervention. Because one of the things, too, that is important for us to also recognize is that even when there's reports of past abuse, the goal of a mandate reporter is to make sure that no one else is currently in danger. Mm -hmm. That's a really good point, too, because as a person that works with youth and typically the motivational speaking capacity, I am now a mandated reporter. So I've had to actually report instances where a student will come up to me after a speech and they're like, oh, I was sexually assaulted or I was abused. I now I've actually had to do that. And it's not 
it's not easy. It's difficult, especially when the child doesn't want you to tell, but you're like, you know, I usually try to tell them before, like before you say anything, I do have to report anything that fits within these guidelines so that they know I want to create a safe space for you, but I also have to do my job so I don't get in trouble. So T, just to clarify, because I know we're having this conversation about like mandated reporting Mm -hmm. and also you're sharing, you're disclosing to us that you were abused as a kid. Was there ever any reports made on your behalf or your siblings behalf? There was. So I can't remember exactly when it happened. Someone did make a report and my mom was held accountable for that. Okay. And did you all ever get any therapy or any support when that was happening? Like once that report was filed? I never got therapy, but I noticed that the older I got, things did get better. And luckily my siblings, they have a very different experience from what I had. But I think the thing that we want to make sure that we clarify is that even though your teacher, Ms. Jones, at the time Mm -hmm. didn't file a report that because the abuse continued at some point, someone did file a report on your behalf and action was taken to correct your mom's behavior. Absolutely. I appreciate you just validating that, Dom. And just to talk to that experience, one of the things that I've done in therapy and as I've healed, as I'm working on healing my inner child is going back to that moment, replaying that moment and seeing my adult self, like visualizing my adult self, saving myself in that moment. Mm-hmm. And so um, it still brings up a lot of emotions because it's still my experience. It's still something that I've had to live with an experience. And it brings up just a lot of the feelings that I had at that moment, but I'm constantly working on improving and healing that little Terry. And so as you're working on healing that little Terry, what is the some of the work that you've done in terms of your words and other actions that you've taken to kind of heal yourself? Well, I would say the first thing I had to do was realize that one, there's an internal dialogue that's going on in my mind, whether I control it or not. And I think one of the biggest moments for me was realizing that after the abuse has stopped, after the physical and verbal abuse stopped, after you know, the bullies at school stopped saying stuff to me. After everyone else stopped their negative talk, I realized that it was still happening on an internal level. Mm -hmm. And I remember being in grad school and in college, actually. And I remember just being by myself and I would have all, I have like a replay. It was like a movie playing in Mm -hmm. my mind where instead of hearing it come from that person's voice, it was now me. You're so dumb. You're so stupid. You make a mistake. You idiot. Dummy. All that stuff that was used to be said to me is now me saying it to myself. So now I've become my own bully. And so what I had to do first was realize that baby girl, which is what I call myself. That's like my, there we go. That's an example right there. Instead Mm -hmm. of calling myself a dummy and all this other stuff, I refer to myself internally as baby girl. So I'm like, baby girl, there's something going on inside. There's a dialogue that you aren't participating in, right? It's Mm -hmm. something that's kind of on replay based on what I've heard in the past. So after realizing that there's an internal dialogue, I did research I'm like, what can I do to reprogram myself? And so for me, there's this book. It was an amazing book in my journey. And it's called Self-Esteem, A Proven Program of Cognitive Techniques for Assessing, Improving, and Maintaining Your Self-Esteem. And this was a book that I read in grad school. And it was so amazing for me because what it did was it walked through the nature of self-esteem. It walks through the critic that we have in our head, where that comes about. It talks about disarming the critic and also providing an accurate self-assessment. And I'll give you an example, Dom, of one of the things that the book shared with me. So weight has always been an issue for me. I've always been 
very small. I've always been like the tiniest person out of my friend group. And I've always wanted to gain weight. And so I used to always say, you know, damn, I'm too skinny. You know, I look like a stick. And I would say things like that. Now, when it comes to the accurate self-assessment, what this book told me to do was, okay, instead of adding judgment to the words that you say about yourself, instead of using these often exaggerated terms, right? Because if you look at a stick and you look at yourself, you're not really a stick. Let's be accurate and factual. So you are 5'5 and you weigh 125 pounds. That's a fact. Now, if you want to gain weight, okay, that's fine. We can focus on gaining weight, but let's put some respect on your name, okay? It's not that, you know, your nose is the size of whatever a big item is. Maybe you have a big nose and people have always teased you about that. Okay, no, let's just say that your nose is actually just a prominent figure on your face. Like we're we're not going to get caught up in beating ourselves down and adding these adjectives that are unnecessary. We're just going to be factual. So that was another thing. I haven't utilized this book, but one of the things that I can tell from my just quick glance and review of the book is that these cognitive techniques are therapy based, Mm -hmm. right? So this is based in psychology. This is in psychological science. These are things that some therapists, depending on their therapeutic approach, would also kind of advise you to utilize those strategies. Mm -hmm. Hands down. Absolutely. And for me, one of the big things was affirmations, Mm -hmm. affirmations, but also I used to put words around my apartment. And it's so funny because my husband and I met back then and we were dating and he would come to my place like, yo, what is she? Like, I'm sure he was thinking like, she has all these words around, but I didn't give a fuck who was coming over. Like, this is what I need to do to program myself. So it would have next to the mirror. I am beautiful. I am worthy. Just all kinds of positive words around me. So when I wake up, I see it constantly. Also, I did a lot of looking in the mirror and just being like, you're enough. I love you. You're beautiful. Just constantly saying those things. And the thing about my experience with the positive affirmations and the words around the room, I felt super silly. I was also like, this shit ain't going to work. Why am I doing this? But then I had to shift my perspective. You got to do something different to get something different. And I was in desperate need of something different. Exactly. And I think, you know, we talk about this in a previous episode too. I did the same thing. I had those sticky notes and I had actually like one of the things that I liked and I still do this and give this to students today is I had heart shaped sticky notes. And so it's because for me that that was also symbolic of self love. Yes. And so I would have sticky notes and I put my sticky notes in my bathroom, around the mirror in my bathroom, so that anytime I went to the bathroom, I had no choice but to see those words. I couldn't ignore them. I mean, technically could, kind of, sort of. Sometimes you zone out of them, but you come back to it. But you will, because the thing is, you can't ignore them. I had like 20 different like Mm -hmm. heart-shaped sticky notes in my bathroom mirror, and for me, that was helpful to see those words. And sometimes it wasn't like, like a phrase of like, I am enough. Sometimes it was words about like, you're smart. So it would just say smart. Or it may have something like an action or like dancer. Mm-hmm. Dancing ain't my ministry. Right? <laughs> it's really not. It ain't my ministry. But if that was something that I was working on, a goal that I had, then my sticky notes would sometimes reflect that as well so that I would constantly be reminded of who I am, but also who I'm striving to be. Mm, That is so powerful. 
And Don, when you think about it, like at first it could feel uncomfortable. It could feel weird. And you'd be like, oh my gosh, this isn't going to work or this is awkward. But I think it's important to note that mommy may have done something. Daddy may have done something. Uncle Tommy may have done something. We may have been victims by other people in our family. But at this point in our life, we have to make a decision on, okay, based on what happened to me, what am I going to do to turn my story around? Right. I, I, I could have lived a life where I just cried about what they did to me. Oh, daddy wasn't there. or Mommy wasn't there. Or, you know, grandma did this or grandpa did that. And that's kind of putting myself in the victim mentality. And then that doesn't give me an opportunity to own my story. So my thing was, okay, yes, you know, mommy did this. Daddy may have not done that. My teacher didn't do this. Now that I have the cards on the table, what am I going to do? How am I going to participate in the story? Am I going to continue to repeat these narratives that don't serve me? Right? Because even after you become a victim, you can re-victimize yourself. You have to take responsibility at some point and realize that I now have ownership of my story. What am I going to do? The ball's in my court. So I decided to do the affirmations. I will also say that when I did them and I read them, I didn't always believe them. That's real. And that happens for a lot of people. And the thing is, is that it takes time that it's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to be, okay. I have these sticky notes up and I'm looking at these sticky notes every day. And in a week, I should miraculously have high self-esteem. That's not the reality. It took you 21 years of being in a place where you were being physically, verbally, emotionally abused, it could take that long to get out of that cycle. In another episode, we talk about like everybody's journey is unique. So your journey to healing may take years. It may take months. It's not going to take a couple of days. And the key is to be compassionate with yourself and to be patient with yourself and to know that you may take 10 steps forward and then something may happen that may bring you 15 steps back. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that you stay 15 steps back. You remind yourself of what steps you took to get those 10 steps ahead Mm -hmm. and engage in the process again. Yeah. And it can be hard, but you do it. And I think the thing too is allowing the people who truly support you to really step in and support you at the, in those moments. Right. So like, I think about like, like you mentioned having those sticky notes up when you and your husband first started dating, Mm -hmm. obviously he's your husband now. so So you may have had some awkward moments at first about him seeing those sticky notes up. Right. And he may have had some questions, but again, because he's obviously your husband now, he was supportive. That's the assumption. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I would definitely agree with that, Donna. And he was supportive of that. And at that point in life, I was choosing me. So my two years in grad school, that was a, a period of time where I dedicated to my personal development, where it was the first time in life where I was living by myself. I didn't have a roommate. I didn't have other people or family or, you know, I was two hours away from home. I wasn't in a place where I could drown out my internal thoughts with people or things. I was really by myself for the first time. And so I was kind of forced to just, yo, 
I'm kind of like stuck in this place with Terry. So I kind of got to learn to love her. Right. And I knew that if I didn't truly love myself, I could see myself because I had just gotten out of a toxic relationship. I could see myself going back into the same cycle, putting up with some man's bullshit because I didn't truly love myself. So at that point, I was like, I don't care who doesn't agree with this. I'm doing it for me. And when I think about how this works, right, there may be a lady out there like, well, I don't think it's going to work. It's like the gym. You go to the gym for three days. You're not going to see any results. You don't ask your body, well, how is this muscle going to form here? And what exactly is happening internally for this to No, you just do it. You show up for yourself. And when you look at yourself 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, that's when I really started to see changes from the gym. I swear to you, I remember it like it was yesterday. I feel like I woke up one day and I was like, oh my God, I'm confident. I forgot that I was even in that space. And I was like, oh my gosh, like it's so different now, but it's work. You have to be willing to do the work. And I think the thing too with that, if we're going to stay with our gym analogy, is that I think about coming off of the holidays and during the holidays, I suck at my gym workouts, right? Like, and when I say suck, I mean like, My gym routine is probably next to non-existent during the holidays. And, but then like after the holidays are over and I'm back into my normal routine, going to the gym becomes like clockwork again. It becomes so easy to get back into that routine. And so, and even in those moments during the holidays where I'm like, oh, I'm not really working out. Like I do have those times where I'm like, oh, wait. Maybe I could go work out like the thought process is still there. Like the awareness is still there. And so I think the thing is, is that in terms of tying this back into like our self-esteem and and our words becoming our reality is that there may be times where we do hit that valley, right? Of our confidence seems to be shaky or it seems to be non-existent, but because we've already done the work to lay the foundation, we can come back up again and hit our confidence peak again. And then at that point, it's up to us to determine, do we want to stay there? And what do we need to do to stay there? That's so spot on, Dom. And it makes me think about this quote from Queen Latifah. She was, when Queen Latifah had her own show, she had said something on the show. And she said, no one is 100%, 100% of the time. And so even today, like though my confidence self-esteem is way better than it was before. I'm so content with where it is. I still have moments of uncertainty. I still have moments where I feel insecure or I'm like, Oh, I don't really look right in this outfit. Or, you know, I just don't feel like I'm bringing my A game, but I know that I have tools that will allow me to get back there. I think that 30 and the past five years really has hit a little different for me as my body is changing as, as I'm evolving. And I realized, Oh, This evolution, this self-confidence and self-esteem thing is a lifelong journey because, yeah, I love 20-year-old Terry, but now i got to continue to love 30-year-old Terry, 40-year-old Terry, 50-year-old and continuously doing that for myself. And so I think it's just really important for us to realize it's a process, right? As Dom always says, trust the process and realize that you're not going to be on a hundred every single day. It really is work. And sometimes I've had to pull out the sticky notes again and put some more affirmations up. And I remember I was a little discouraged, like, but I already did this. I thought I was done with self-esteem and confidence. And you know, God was like, no, 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 there's more. You still got to do a little (laughs) more work. So yeah, I think it's just important to remember that and just speak things that are not as though they were. So even if you don't feel it today, you still show up for yourself and do the work because energetically, you're reprogramming yourself. I literally reprogram myself. And so you can do that as well. If you show up, if you're committed to the process, if you realize it's a journey 
and not necessarily this destination that you're going to reach. And I would say, as we think about like, okay, let's narrow down, like what are the exact steps that we need to take to really make our words into our reality? So as Terry mentioned about the self-esteem book, I think that you can start with that, right? And what it does is that allows you to keep track of your thoughts. And when you can see your thoughts written out on paper, that allows you to take that hard look at yourself and say, okay, sis, we got some changes we got to make here. And it also allows you to look at your progress over time. Mm -hmm. So you can see where you were on day one, where you may be writing some pretty harsh and negative stuff about yourself to where you are months and years from now. And you can see that evolution and see where you've had peaks and valleys and, and pick up on the patterns. Because one of the things I love about like keeping thought records is that it really allows you to see the pattern. Mm -hmm. So you may be someone who has a pattern of around the holidays, my self-esteem gets low because I'm going to visit family who were the ones who are constantly inflicting those wounds. Another pattern could be that around the start of my menstrual cycle, when my hormones are a little off kilter, my self-esteem may take a nosedive. Could be that if I'm having relationship issues, whether that's relationship with my romantic partner or friends or colleagues or whoever, my self-esteem may take a dive. And so it keeping that thought record allows you to really pick up on patterns so that then you can intervene before the negative thoughts start. The next thing that we want to do is have our sticky notes so that we can have our positive affirmations. And you can decide whether you want those sticky notes in your bathroom, in your bedroom, on your fridge, wherever you want them. But as long as you have those sticky notes to constantly remind you how to pour into yourself. And then the third thing that I would say is to keep a journal. And not just so you're keeping your thought record, but that's separate from your journal. Your journal is like your narrative. It's your story where you are allowing yourself to just free flow. Like what are the thoughts that are coming up related to events in your life? This is almost kind of like not just a diary, but an autobiography. And who knows? Maybe 10 years from now, five years from now, you'll be writing your own book too. Hey, there you go. There you go. Let's speak that into existence. And I love that you said that, Dom, as far as the affirmations and like just really being consistent with it, right? Mm -hmm. Like consistency is really key. And the other thing I wanted to really make sure that we touched on was when you think about affirmations, you always want to focus on the positive. Sometimes we have a tendency to say, oh, you know, if someone always calls you ugly, your affirmation might be, I'm not ugly. Well, your brain doesn't really know the difference there because ugly is still in the word. So we just want to focus on the positive. So the affirmation might be, I am beautiful, right? Or, you know, if someone always calls you dumb, instead of saying, I'm not a dummy, it might be, you know, I'm smart or I'm worthy. So we want to focus on the positive 
And I want to share two quick examples because math for me is not my subject. I've always struggled with math. You too. Yeah. I see your facial expressions like, girl. (laughs) Yeah. Statistics. Mm -mm. It's not my thing. Right. And here's the thing. I had bad experiences as a kid at the dinner table doing math homework. I won't even go into details, but I had some situations there that I think contributed to that. Now, I am well aware that I'm holding myself back. So if I ever wanted to get better at math, I know for a fact that I need to reprogram myself, but I'm not in a place in life where I need to. I can pull up my calculator easily. I don't have a desire to study it, but I know that if there were ever a chance in life where you know I would get an opportunity if I were to dive back into math, I know for a fact that I have some personal work to do because I am still holding on to that narrative. So you may find that there are things in life where you're like, you know what? I'm just not ready to do that. But you got to understand that it's on you, right? The ball's in your court. So the math thing, boo, that's on me because I'm holding myself back. Now we'll talk about dancing. I've always been that girl where my friends will laugh at me because I dance to my own rhythm and my rhythm is sometimes a little suspect. Me too, girl. Okay. Me too. And they, I would always hear people say things like, oh, you're a black girl. You don't know how to dance. And I'm like, yes, I do know how to dance. Like I would really take offense to that. So doing the twerk class for me has been such a huge confidence boost one, but it's also allowed me to reprogram myself. So Dom and I have talked about us going to free the cheeks, the twerk class in Oakland. And I try to do that every Saturday as my self care. And I've been going so much now I'm what they consider a vintage booty. So sometimes <laughs> because I've come to the class so much, sometimes they'll have me in the front. I was so excited that one day when they were like, come on, Terry, you're going to come in the front. And depending on how I'm feeling that day, sometimes I'm feeling myself and I'll be in there twerking. I'll be getting it. Other days, my confidence isn't as high. And so I'll try to go to the back. But I realized that when I get into my head too much, that's when I mess up. And so it's been, it's really taken like positive affirmations and actually just doing the work and showing up to dance. That's really helped me. And the support of my sisters there has also allowed me to have more confidence doing it. So I don't say I can't dance anymore because honestly, I really can dance. There are just certain times where rhythm might be a little too much for me. And it's it's a little difficult to be coordinated, but it's all good. And, and it really is about tapping into your comfort zone and your flow and where you feel the most confident. Because like you said, in those moments, you might not be, you know, Meg the Stallion or Cardi B out there mm-hmm. in these streets, but <laughs> but you are doing the best twerking that Terry can do. And as long as you feel good about it, that's what really matters. Hey, girl. Hey, it's Terry here from the Herspace podcast. Every Wednesday, I release a Wisdom Wednesday mini episode that'll give you the quick boost you need to get you through hump day. Visit herspacepodcast.com and click the Wisdom Wednesday with Terry link under start here to get your weekly gems. I hope to see you there. Thanks for joining us today in Her Space. Please note that our show may contain conversations about self-help, advice, self-empowerment, and mental health, but it is by no means meant to be a substitute for an ongoing formal relationship with a trained mental health provider. If you or someone you know is in need of mental health care, please visit the Therapy for Black Girls directory, Psychology Today, or contact your insurance provider. If you liked what you heard and want to keep the conversation going, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Her Space Podcast. 
or check out our website at herspacepodcast.com. And before we meet again, repeat after me. There's something inside of me that's bigger than any obstacle. We'll see you next week, lady.